This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. We are coming live at you on social media. The video will air on fox26houston.com. And the audio will air on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston, Texas, your community station. And of course, I have to do a, a shout out to KPFT, which is community run and operated. So for our listeners, if you can make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers have to say, please do so that we can do our part to keep this experiment and freedom of speech going. But the whole message is it's our terms on our terms. So. We got to see Matt in person the other day at the Pico Youth and Family Center, Matt. So, hey, great! it was great to see you in person. And then, porque la gente en, en Texas no se pongan celosas, y'all going to be in San Antonio for the first Friday reading, Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And I do want to tell folks that there's also another special program that day at Right before that, so the reading's at 6. From 5 to 6 p.m. is a happy hour, so that's good. But but then Edward Viduare will be there to talk about an insider guide to publishing. He wants to tell folks what he was looking for in manuscripts, but also how folks can become translators, typesetters, proofreaders, interns, just to get involved. So I want to get to, to, to all of you sharing your readings, but... Let's do a first round of hellos. Do me a favor to encourage folks to go to that Publishers Insider chat. Tell us a little something that you've learned by publishing with Flower Song Press. I'm going to say, we'll, we'll throw it to Matt first because I got to see him in person. I'm still excited about chatting with you, Matt, in person. Yeah. Well, uh, Tony, to answer your first question about how am I doing, brother, if I was doing any better, my name would be Tony Diaz. So I'm, telling you, I'm, doing, I'm doing quite well right now. I'm doing quite well. Uh, as far as Flower Song has gone, it's, it's been an incredible experience. You know, I, I met I met Edward uh, years and years ago. And uh, for a while, people have been uh, um, asking me uh, for a manuscript. You know, a lot of uh, independent publishers for the most part, and even some even larger ones. But, you know, when I met Edward, I got a really great vibe from him. And, and we kind of just like had a handshake deal. And, and uh, you know, later on, you know, we, we formalized more. But it really has been uh, that kind of place. I mean, it, it is an independent press, but there's a real uh, honesty. And there's a real uh, transparency in the way that Edward works, and there's a real just uh, just a kind of you know a, a vibe, a good family vibe there. But it, it's not like it's not. It, I mean, Edward is very very ambitious. I mean, he publishes like 20, 30 people a year, and uh, and he gets the books um, basically anywhere across the internet. I mean, you can get them on Amazon, uh, you can get them at Target, you can get them at BarnesandNoble.com, you get them all across the websites, and that's not something that uh, uh, most independent presses are going to be able to do for you. So that's really. It's extremely professional, but it's also extremely tight knit. So in that way, uh, working with Flower Song has been just really perfect for me. I mean, it's, it, he's done everything um, he needs to do, um, you know, with the, the, the crossing of the T's and the dotting of the I's. But he's also been very flexible and, and easy for work with. So really, you know, being, with the, being that I'm in the state of California and I'm very independent minded, he's allowed me to kind of like, you know, manage my books in, in ways. He's given me certain freedoms to manage my books in ways I know I would not get 
uh, with other publishers that are larger and even publishers that are the same size and even some of that are smaller uh, would have would be tried to micromanage in ways that that Edward really hasn't. So for me, it's been an incredible experience and, and I, I have a lot of appreciation, uh, gratitude and, and uh, respect and, uh, and admiration uh, for, for Edward. You know what, too, you're making me think of all the community connections as well, which not every publisher can bring to the table. So we had a chance to go to uh, Tia Chucha, Centro Cultural, and Bookstore, and there was a special display for Flower Song Press. So it's beautiful to see that y'all <laughs> displayed there. And, you know, I, I love it, too, because we're building that bridge between Tia Chucha and the Latino Bookstore, and let's just keep that going. However, let's throw Texas some love. So uh, Marisol, great to have you on with us. Really wonderful to have you reading with the Flower Song Press Familia that day with your new book. Tell people why what you've learned from publishing with Flower Song Press and why they should come to hang out with you on the 7th in your, in your Califas Gente. I love that California, Texas like intersection. I lived in, in uh, around Sacramento for a number of years, um, but this is my home. San Antonio is my home. I'm super excited that this reading is going to be just right up the street from where I live, like literally just right up the block. It really feels like a reading for me, like for the neighborhood, right, for the community. And a lot of that has been what's important about publishing with Flower Song as well for me. What, what really drew me to them is that it's borderlands literature. There's a collective feeling that we are building this from the ground up, right? Like this is where those opportunities have not existed to get our work out into the world or even to, for some of us, I mean, my, I would put myself in this category, like to even really think of myself as a writer, like it's something that I've always done, but I like never felt like I, I could really claim it until more recently. So Flower Song is a collective effort where those opportunities don't exist. We do it ourselves. We create the vehicle for sharing our work broadly, like with the world beyond San Antonio, beyond Texas, beyond California, but also for the neighborhood, right? Like it comes back home to the neighborhood, kind of like what Matt was saying. I mean, this is a press that's run by an author. This is somebody who and, and really somebody who like, we've all in, in, in different ways had to do it ourselves, right? Um, we've had to figure out the infrastructure of publishing, like publishing as an industry, like it's not, um, you know, a lot of it, like we're not necessarily coming from MFA programs or we're not necessarily, um, you know, like we're having to figure this out, stuff out, but we're, but I think with Flower Song, we're all doing it together. We're all helping each other. It really is like family, it feels to me. Um, it's just a supportive community of artists, like being very generous with each other and helping each other. Um, so that's, that's what I love about it. That's powerful. But, but I'll say it the way I say it in my book, corporate publishing executives are illiterate about our community. You're shouting out the community. Uh, Thursday, October 6th, we're going to have a parent tour from parents from Breckenridge Grammar School with, uh, with their kids. We give them a free tour, some pan dulce, a couple soft drinks to get free books. And, uh, Another writer from San Antonio, Javier Garza, will be leading a workshop for the children and the, and the parents. So I love that you're shouting out the neighborhood, but making it clear that here, here are different ways to bring y'all the upper echelon of the intellect, intelligentsia of the publisher, of the writers to the community. So thank you. That's awesome. And then let's give some more love to Califas. Hey, D David's been on the show. David and Matt's been on the show so much they're like co-hosts practically. So, <laughs> <laughs> David, great to see you again. I'm excited to get to hang out with you in Texas. Uh, so what have you learned about 
the, the publishing world by working with Flower Song Press? Well, well, I've learned, uh, you know, Matt was talking about distribution and that's huge. Um, so I've been able to get into uh, approximately 33 Barnes and Noble, uh, Noble's uh, locations. And um, that's only been possible because of uh, uh, Flower Song Press registering with Ingram and using it as a platform to get into stores, making them returnable. So that opens up a lot of windows of, of uh, distribution. And uh, with that, we can do author signings. We're using their uh, promotional networks to promote us. So that's a great, great difference. Uh, and, and thanks to the work of uh, Matt and our press mate, Fernando, and, and a few others, we've gotten into City Lights Publishing. So that too has established cred for us in the independent publishing market. We've gotten into Chevaliers, we're getting into Romans, we've been into Book Soup. So some of the largest, uh, thanks to Matt, we're in Washington, you know, we're, we're here in New York, Word Up Community Bookstore, thanks to our pressmate, uh, Brianna Munoz. And uh, just to say, um, so thanks to Edward too, I've gotten involved on the back end of Flower Song. I know that Flower Song, we're so successful as an independent publisher that, that we're getting lines. Uh, here, in, here in California, there was an event that our press mates Fernando and Natalie were attending, and we were the only press. It was a, it was a congregation of presses giving tips, you know, accepting submissions, you know, uh, guidance on manuscripts and in the publishing world. We were the only table with the line, they said. We had about 20 people all asking, all saying, we heard Flower Song is it. Flower Song is the business. And, you know, uh, a, a major publisher, uh, not a cult, a uh, publisher of many, many fine uh, poets with names much bigger than some of our own uh, was there. And they did not have a line. So the word is out. Flower Song is hot. I love that. And, and the other thing I love about our community having access to all this is that y'all very generous with your brilliance, time, energy. So personally, I would love it if in the future we're celebrating the publication of someone who attends this publishing workshop happy hour and learns about not just what manuscripts to publish, but you mentioned a lot of the behind the scenes, distribution, typesetting, editing, it takes warm bodies for every layer of that. And, and we know that from, from the Latino bookstore, but it would be so great to be able to celebrate that extra voice there. So I want to remind folks, you get to meet these folks. It's the first Friday of October, October 7th, 6 p.m. They're going to be flowing, but Edward and the crew are very generous to share this network with you 5 to 6 p.m. And you're invited to come out, learn more, and um, let's talk to let's talk, they have some more love. Last but not least, Leticia. We got to hang out when we uh, teamed up to organize a band book caravan to Austin. I should remind mm -hmm. folks that I'm having a great time right now. Let's not forget. Uh, and I, I want to calm everyone's. There's a rumor that the Tejanos, Libro Traficantes, are seeking political asylum from Texas in California. It's very tempting. <laughs> very, very tempting. But we will be back because there's awesome people. Uh, and Leticia, you teamed up with us to help create underground libraries so that our community always has access to those books. Uh, you do a lot of work with many groups that get the word out. 
So, you, you know, you're with the Austin Bad Cave, you're a writer yourself. Um, what does Flower Song Press bring to the table? Because you're with a lot of different intersections of, of cultura. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. And I'm always excited to be with all these wonderful uh, Flower Song poets. Um, I think, you know, what Flower Song is doing is, as, you know, several of y'all have said, like creating community where we are here to like open the door for each other, right? And just keep the door open. Um, you know, I, I've never been a part of a, a press, you know, but this is my first book. So, that, you know, there's that, but also I've never been part of a press where everyone was really hands-on, as David said, and like, you know, um, several other press mates have been editors, you know, uh, Joe reyes Wojtel was my editor um, and very influential um, because my text, my book is a hybrid uh, of poetry and prose. And so I think, you know, what I would say to folks who are trying to, you know, looking to submit their own work, whether it's to Flower Song or another independent press is, um, you know, you need to look at kind of what, what kind of care is being done with the the editors and and the folks that are running the press because I think that Edward has just this um, this passion for treating your work with such care and understanding. Um, he really takes the time to like understand what you're trying to do and then helps you get there, right? Helps you kind of make the book um, the best that it's going to be and uh, was super patient with me because I think that was something I was, concerned about because my book is a weird little, you know, hybrid baby. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's always something really helpful. And then also seeing like his work and other folks, other pressmates, including y'all, you know, like how are, how are you in the community with people, right? Like, are you prioritizing these smaller readings or these pop-up readings or these other kinds of events where, you're reaching the people who need your books the most. And I think Flower Song is doing that. You know what I mean? Um, they're, you know, they're prioritizing, again, that access, which is, as you mentioned, Tony, really important to me um, in this state, in this uh, space of banning books. And so that's kind of what I think about and, and what I hope to prioritize when I'm, you know, doing events and stuff like that. So I'm great. I'm really grateful that uh, Flower Song aligns with that. Fantastic. I appreciate you all sharing that th those insights. And I'm really excited about all of us getting to hang out. So we want to entice folks. So we're going to go in the same order that we ju uh, just had you introduce yourselves. And we're going to have you read an excerpt. And again, I got to let folks know, this is a really special reading because the Latino bookstore is in a, like many of our communities, is in a book desert on the west side, El Mero Hueso de San Antonio. But it's going to be booming. It's going to be booming on our terms because that's what we want. So uh, let's hear some of the beautiful poetry and prose that you can experience in three dimensions. Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. I can't believe it's free. It's free at the Latino Bookstore located at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. So um, we are going to start with Marisol. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Matt. We started with Matt. <laughs> we'll start with Matt because you spoke first, and then uh, and then we'll go around in the same order we were chatting. Okay. Well, you know, uh, in the interest of time, I'll just do a real short one. I just want to also say that recently, Flower Song here in L.A., we also did a show at uh, at MOLA, the Museum of uh, Latin American Art, and we also did something at the Mexican Consulate. So, you know, we're, we're you know, Flower Song, Flower Strong, we're really 
really doing a lot out here. Uh, and uh, we're really, really excited to bring bring this to, to Texas. We also did uh, Una in San Antonio. So, we're, you know, we're, we're really expanding. But we also do, like, you know, local shows. I mean, it's just the community. So, anyways, here's the point. Sundown, Levittown, Fort Apache, Dirty Harry, John Wayne, Blackface, Minuteman, Moynihan, Gone with the Wind, Breaking Bad. Washington Redskin, Confederate flag, the sword, the dollar, the cannon, the scholar, the cavalry, and the Ivy League history as written by lightning is the rising smoke of burning village. The ways and means victors keep their victims affronted these notes on the state of Virginia extraction, expansion, the winning of the West, Lewis and Clark, Smith and Wesson, a circle the wagon with bloodshed and slave sweat, the crack of the whip. The law three-fifths, the crown, Republican king cotton, intended failures of reconstruction, the housing covenants that greeted great migration, the same to the Mexicans of poor Mexico. So far from evidence, so close to Monroe Doctrine, to Davy Crockett, to prison industrial complex, a war on drugs is a war on our young. Bloody Christmas, reefer madness, 15 to life of four ounces, East Oakland, West Baltimore, south of La Brea and Oliver North, Plymouth Rock. Jamestown, the Rio Grande, Stolen Lives, Stolen Land. Thank you, Matt. Reading from Mowing Leaves of Grass. All right. And next up, there's the San Antonio. She's going to walk down the block. <laughs> but that's even more reason to hang out with her. Marisol, the airwaves are yours. All right. Thank you, Tom. Um, I'm going to read a, it's a pretty short chapter. It probably goes four or five minutes um, from early in the book. And, um, Loose at Midnight, this is the book. Um, it's about a lot of stuff. It's a big book. It's about San Antonio politics. It's a love story. Um, it's about uh, mental illness. It's about uh, the nonprofit industrial complex. It's about a lot of stuff. But one of the things that it's also about is sort of this question of why, what makes stuff happen the way that it happens? And just the mysteriousness of that. And a lot of the ways that I write about that is through... Um, there's a lot of birds that show up in the book, and there's, and there's a dog as well. And um, so this is one of those excerpts it's from a chapter called Black Sun. Friday, June 4th, 12.14 p.m. The smoke drifting over the highway at the tipping point of spring into summer reminds Sitlali of birds. Like that one time she saw a swirl of starlings, as she stood on the edge of a cornfield somewhere. Where? Imagine this, the secret logic of a flock of birds in flight, swooping, swerving, according to their own inner time signature. Somewhere, someone with the right knowledge must have traced its architecture, plotted it carefully, unwound its inner springs to reveal the mechanism, the rhythm, the organization. It couldn't be random. She had thought at the time, eyes trained to the aerial zigzagging of hundreds of starlings, a protoplasm of birds swelling and contracting in a single body, like an ever-changing Rorschach blot, like pointillistic thumbprints smudging the sky. A murmuration. That was the name for it, mentioned in an NPR feature she heard years later about 
a massive cloud of birds that appeared before sunset in Denmark during spring. A seasonal sky dance halfway, halfway across the world. Was there a leader or navigator? Lolly had wondered. A conductor who indicated which direction to take. Or were they all followers of one another or something else? Attuned somehow to what each other individual was thinking and feeling. Scale-free correlation. The scientists on the radio said, at first, they thought murmurating starlings were like flying avalanches, with each bird a snow particle poised tippy-tippy toes at criticality, capable of shifting speeds at a single body, as a single body. But now, the scientists, particle physicists, knew that starlings were more flying magnets than avalanches, simultaneously shifting not only speed, but position. They were electrons, they said, pulled into synchronous orbits under the spell of magnetization. As one bird veered right, it signaled seven of its neighbors to do the same, who signaled to seven more and seven more, a lightning game of telephone without static or, de or degradation. Low signal to noise ratio. It was an anti-predator tactic sparked by the peripheral approach of a falcon or hawk. The starlings banding together to form a collective more powerful than any individual could be. But how did that first bird trigger the movement of the whole if each member of the flock was busy responding to every other member? Was there a first bird to speak of? How did it shift all at once? How did it burst spontaneously into total transformation as if from nowhere or nothing? Somewhere, someone knew the principle of organization but not me. I don't have the language to say how it works. I can only watch and marvel. That is what she thought then, watching starlings swoop and pulse as one body as she stood outside a gas station half a lifetime ago on the edge of a field at the center of the continent. Not the dazzle of synchronized starlings this time, just regular grackles headed north with an urgency fleeing something. Lali is distracted, driving to the credit union on a lunch errand, trying to gun it so she can be back at the Centro office for a 1 p.m. conference call with the youth climate funders. So it doesn't occur to her what they might be fleeing until she turns on the radio, NPR again. She hears the report like a premonition before she sees it for herself, uncanny. The heavy cloud of black smoke blowing over the highway from the Southwest from somewhere near the river. An explosion at the old refinery, says the radio. Thank you. That's beautiful, Marisol. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we can't wait to, to hear you read in person at the Latino Bookstore. And you're from San Antonio, so that's wonderful to, to support the community that way. And I want to remind folks, it is free. It is the first Friday, October 7th. And there'll be a special panel on how to get published and the inside track of publishing with the publisher of Flower Song Crest, Edward Viduare. It's totally free, little happy hour at that time. And before we go to David, um, Marisol, maybe there's some folks in the community watching. Maybe they think, you know what, that bookstore is for the elite or that bookstore is just for people to have advanced degrees. What would you tell that person who may have some inquietude about showing up or... 
might feel intimidated about showing up that night? I would say, I mean, it's in the heart of the barrio. It's, I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's in a book desert. Um, we have our libraries and, you know, this is like, okay. So the only other independent bookstore that I can think of in town is at the Pearl. Okay. So it's at this very high end upscale, um, you know, not to diss the Pearl, but like, I mean, not to diss the, the twig. Um, although I, you know, I have a lot to say about the Pearl, but, but basically like this is a space, the Latino bookstore on the West side, you know, it's part of Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, very established, um, uh, cultural center, community space that people fought for uh, for decades to exist, to provide arts access to um, to the community. Uh, that's where this is. Um, that's where this bookstore is. And so it's very much um, uh, it, it's very much coming out of um, a community space um, with the ethic of like this should be for every you know this should be for the people who live here. This should be for for gente. This is this is for our community. This is for um, you know, there's 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 books in both languages. There's books in multiple languages. There's books for all ages. This is a very important to have a bookstore like this, like on the west side. David, why don't you show folks, give them a taste of what they're going to experience in seven dimensions. Here we just have a couple dimensions at our disposal. This poem from my collection, My Name is Romero, Flower Song Press, is about something near and dear to my heart, which is burritos. This poem is called That's a Rap slash Ode to the Burrito. Oh my God, I've got the greatest idea. We'll take the pride of your people the most significant dish your culture has ever produced and we'll turn it into a sandwich. No, a salad. No, a hamburger. No, no, no. I've got it. We'll throw it all on top of a doughy flour tortilla and just wrap it up. Ah, hell no. The seventh seal was broken. The seventh trumpet was sounded. And from the seas arose a dark and unholy beast. Its name carried on fast food menus and neon signs all over the country. The rap, the focus group of food. You were assembled from the rotting carcasses of recipes killed by cultural appropriation. You are a Frankenstein, a monster. And for those travelers who journey throughout Mexico and the Southwest on burros, who invented the burrito, the little donkey. You are truly an ass. Scraps of better food whose quality was sacrificed at the unholy altar of on the go. You are simultaneously warm chicken and cool salad. You are lukewarm. I will spit you out and reject you as they reject us. Those who want to cash in on the popularity of the burrito, but deny Spanish from the menu. Those who love Mexican food, but hate Mexicans. And what have we given to the world? The burrito. 
is a pillow for your mouth. It is a voluptuous breast, a full butt cheek. It is something to get lost in. It is carnitas, carne asada, and not ground beef with a side of beans and rice, guacamole, please, but no pinche sour cream. The burrito is quite simply an essay on humanity's struggle for greatness. Greatness achieved. It is all the things that a rap is not. Ban raps forever. Burn all images of their name and likeness in effigy. And on that brave new day, you'll find me at El Tepeyac in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles, eating a burrito as big as your head. The end. <laughs> okay, man, we're going to eat. We're going to feed you right when you, when you get to San Antonio. And I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be parochial and shout out Texas food right now. I'm going to shout out some California food because right across on the street from Tia Chuchas was Tacos Vampiros. And that was, that was awesome. So, awesome. <laughs> Appreciate that. And uh, last, but of course not least, because I got to read with her in, uh, we got to hear her read in Austin at the Underground Library at uh, La Peña. Uh, cultural center right there on congress uh leticia great to hang out with you again so glad mm -hmm. you'll be in san antonio and we'd love to for you to give folks just a little bit of what i got to experience in person yeah thank you so much um i'm excited uh i'm excited to see y'all in san antonio and um and be you know be able to connect in person again um i'm gonna read uh one poem from my book las criaturas um a lot of the stories and poems um in this collection are about kind of questioning the perspectives of storytelling and what storytelling means to us, um, especially what stories are told about women and, and femme folks um, and how we're kind of fighting against those stories. So um, I'll just read one poem. Uh, this is called uh, La Rosa. Don't make me your mother's cautionary tale and I won't make you mine. When we find each other, accept all that I have to give and take. My thorns can plunge bone deep and twist your heart from your chest, but don't make that our story. I don't have to be the fruit from that elusive garden, the siren calling from the rocks. We can be us two together, no violence involved as long as you accept my giving and my taking natural as the waves washing away and returning what you thought was yours. I can be your dream mujer, but never the waiting one, the crying ghost dressed in white that haunts rivers and crossroads for what she has lost. I will not be tethered. I can settle like sediments on a rock for a time, watch the city from the bus window, let you lead us to the way. Always, I will return to my original state of being, folded in on myself to prevent withering, drying out, bunched closed, waiting for the season to open. You will have to time the cycles and hope you get it right. Pull your bleeding hand from my stem and remember what your mother told you about love's furtive flame.
I just want to make one thing clear. I'm hoping that come next year, ustedes tienen una casa aquí en el aire, and wherever we're all at, we should just keep promoting new voices. Uh, if we can do one round of, of goodbyes and maybe one one last thought to touch someone's heart. Uh, you know, I think someone tuning in is maybe scared to submit their work because they're worried about rejection. Uh, what, what would you say to them? And we'll go backwards this time. We'll, we'll start with Leticia. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much, all, all of our wonderful Flower Song Poets um, for uh, sharing space. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're if you're questioning whether you should submit something, you know, thinking about who needs your work or who might be able to find your work, um, not just inspiring, but like if you're writing from a truthful place, whatever that looks like to you, I think that there's always going to be someone out there who um, recognizes that truth in their own experience. And so um, I would just say that, you know, think about who needs your truth um, and how sharing your work could, you know, um, become a more fulfilling experience to connect with those readers. I love it. Uh, David, what would you add? I would add to say that, um, that for Edward Viduare, um, our publisher, uh, publishing is, is a passion. This is not, you know, his full-time job. He has a full-time job. So this is his passion. So he's the most non-elitist publisher that I've ever run into. And the consideration that he gives a first-time poet is the same that he gives to a multiple uh, uh, poet laureate or someone with an MFA or someone with a... They're, they're all... Everyone is in the line in the order in which they were accepted. No one is given a special pass or bump or anything like that. So this is the core of, of people's community poetry is, you know, Edward has a heart of gold and, and the decency is, is exemplary. That's beautiful. Uh, Marisol? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was me for a long time. You know, I was, mm. I, I always wrote, I wrote since I was a teenager. I wrote very passionately. I wrote very prolifically. And then I would just like put it away somewhere, just file it away. Like, I didn't even know you could do stuff with your work. I, um, and then, you know, I made little efforts, you know, when I got, you know, I sent it off, I sent off poems and, um, and was rejected. And I just was like, well, I guess that, I guess that's it. You know, I guess I'm just not any good. I mean, I can, and I kept writing, but I, wow. I stopped sharing it. I stopped trying. And that was, you know, that was in my early twenties. Um, so that cost me, that cost me like 20 years. Mm -hmm. right? Um, so, uh, I think it's very common for that, for, for, for people to have that experience if they are, are serious about writing. Um, but what I would have, I wish somebody could have said to me back then was, um, was that it's normal. It's normal to be rejected. Like I really didn't know. I didn't know that. Um, so if you need to hear that, it's normal to be rejected. Keep writing, keep sending your work out, keep sharing it. You're gonna get rejected a lot. Everybody does. It's okay. Like just keep just keep doing what you do. I, I I'm gonna pause because I really appreciate you sharing that because I would have never guessed that you guys you're so put together, <laughs> you know. And and I will I'm gonna te voy a tirar unas flores, which you know I just remembered. I was in the office of a professor at Lone Star College Montgomery, and he's got these stacks of book and he picks up your book, Lucy. And he goes, "Hey, have you heard of this book? Is it's badass." Like, dang, well, of course I've heard of it. So, so te estoy tirando las flores because you shared that, and someone watching 
Let's go through the same thing and then get over it. Uh, let's close out. Matt, close us out. Change the world again. All right. So, so I would tell anyone that's really serious about writing, um, what you need to do is really study the work of people that you really admire and not really try to copy them. Just pick up things here and there from, from, from a variety of different writers, right? But more than that, become a student of your own work. Mm. Become a student of your own mind. Look at your own best work. Look at your own odd ways in which you interpret the world that other people don't. And then sharpen those tools and sharpen them and sharpen them and sharpen them. And from that, develop a style. Then turn that style into a discipline. Then turn that discipline into a standard of excellence that you hold yourself to every time. And once you develop your own standard of excellence that you hold your own, yourself to every time, you will be excellent in a very unique way. And once you're excellent in a unique way, you become the world's leading expert as to why you are excellent. And once you're the world's leading expert as to why you are excellent, as to why you are great, you will not, seek, you will not spend your entire life seeking validation. And no one can discredit you. Because even if the other authors work as great themselves, they are not the world's leading expert as to why you are great. And once you are that, once you're all those things, you can you can doggedly pursue your goals. You know, be be unique, be different, and be great. Write about things that are important to not just yourself, but to millions of people. And write well. And if you do that, you'll be one of the greatest writers to ever walk the face of the earth. Because that's all writing is. Man, that's beautiful. And and it touches on that self-determination that that you know I ascribe to the, the, the Chicano identity, but that's 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 really yeah. the power of this literature. Gracias. And if you, if you Google the best political poet in America, not only was my name the first name that's come up, I have a whole panel. So you know who am I to say that? I'm Matt Sadio, the best political poet in America, proud as hell to be Chicano. Eso, eso. And you get to hang out with him, San Antonio. On the west side, El Mero Hueso, do not do not pass this up. This is like graduate school for la gente. Hey, I got to give a shout out to our community culture capital, Roxana Guzman, who is our producer for our multi-platform broadcast, works behind the scenes tirelessly. Thank you, Roxana. Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who is our brilliant sound engineer, especially for the audio broadcast. Liana Lopez and Brian Farras, co-founders of Libertad the Caravan. And then uh, the other co-founders, Libre Traficante Caravan, Lara Acosta, and then Lupe Mendez. Thank all of you. Thanks for tuning in and please support Community Art. Nos vemos. Y'all were great. Gracias. Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'm the literary curator for the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. The bookstore is open throughout the, the week. You can go to the website for the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center for the changing dates. And this is your chance to meet other writers, especially some that write about history. So there's some cookbooks, always something cultural. And of course, we tie in all the other art forms in the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. So thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you at the arts. Gracias. Thank you.